Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Logan Takahashi is a young musician from New Jersey. He makes up one half of the duo Teen Girl Fantasy and also releases solo material through Ghostly Records, a label known for releasing exciting and innovative electronic music started in Detroit and also located in Brooklyn. He studied music at Oberlin College in the Tamara Technology and Music Related Arts program. Recently, Logan wrote about one of his influences, Yuichi Sakamoto, for Vice magazine. He's played festivals and venues around the country and as well as around the world. His recent solo record, No Geo, on Ghostly Records, has been a fixture in my studio of late, and it was great to sit down with him in his recording studio in Bushwick, Brooklyn, to talk about his musical history, his education and influences, and his future plans. And yes, the music you're listening to now is from his solo record, No Geo. Here's Logan and I talking in his studio recently in Brooklyn. Um, so you, you said you're from Jersey. You grew up in Jersey? Yeah, I grew up uh, northern Jersey, a uh, town, two towns technically called Maplewood and South Orange, mm-hmm. uh, but they're kind of the same town, essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah and I, did you start, like, when you were growing up, was music yeah, big so in your life from I, the get-go? Yeah, I, began, I started playing violin when I was around five or six mm-hmm. uh, with the Suzuki Method. And that was like my initial experiences with music. Um, I did that all the way through high school, like up until I was like 17 or 18 studying. Um, and so those were like some <clears throat> of my earlier formative experiences with music. But I also had a pretty musical family. Like my parents were in this uh, neighborhood band. Mm-hmm. Um, with other parents from the neighborhood. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so I got <clears throat> introduced to a lot of music through that. Um, yeah, my dad. I remember actually we had one of those Casio Tone SMK1. The S- this, the, oh, not the SK1? The one the, you no, s- yeah, no, the SK1, that's right. Yeah. You can sample on yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah, the, the earlier cheap little sample. Yeah, thing. I had that. Yeah. That was my first keyboard. Yeah, so yeah, same actually. It had like what? Like a a five or a ten second sampler on it? Yeah, yeah. Super like, probably like 8-bit. Yeah. I remember being like transfixed by that. Were you into, I mean obviously you were you were doing it, but were you into the violin? Like were you did you love it or was it more of a exercise? Because a lot of people would take piano when they, when they're young. You know, you take piano lessons and you're yeah. You do it, but it's more of a task than a love. You know, I think a lot of people kind of expected that. Or there was like, oh, yeah, like, did your parents make you? But I actually, I think I bugged them for like a year and a half before they finally got me really? lessons. Like, yeah. I was really driven to do it for some reason. I remember being really into it, like, running home and, like, practicing. And, yeah, I was pretty into it. But how did time. you know violent like what was your exposure to violent you know i don't maybe i <laughs> saw it on like sesame street or something i, I really <laughs> don't i don't really even know maybe um i don't know man maybe it's i'm half japanese maybe it's genetic no yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah i i do <laughs> remember like early on going to some like um 
string convention, just looking up at my dad, like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. So um, did you? How long did you study it before you started? Do you start from the Suzuki method from the get go? Uh, yeah. I don't see. Much. I don't yeah. know. I I grew up playing saxophone. Okay. So I didn't really play a stringed instrument until guitar in like high school. So mm-hmm. I don't even know about the Suzuki method. Yeah, it's pretty. I mean, it seems like it's still pretty popular. It's all about like ear training. Um, just playing by ear. Just like playing, like learning how to to play basically before you learn how to read music Mm -hmm. um just like learning how to all the intervals kind of like giving them little sort of like uh, yeah just like ways of like thinking about it that's all just like via the ear rather than like visually looking at a piece of paper with music on it um i guess i was learning everything suzuki yeah, exactly. I mean, didn't it's even like, realize. Right, exactly. It's like, <laughs> like I never, well, actually, yeah. I guess eventually in school band or something, there was simple music that I learned for saxophone. But yeah. I mean, I pretty much play by ear, like everything. Yeah. I think it's a pretty intuitive approach, which is maybe why it's gotten so popular. Yeah. But, but it teaches you to, I mean, playing by ear, I think, is something that certain people are gifted with like mm-hmm. you could just hear things and sort of mm-hmm. mimic them in a way mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but um, I think it's important to be able to do that yeah you know, to be able to just respond and you know so you were doing that you loved it you couldn't get enough of it <laughs> a little six year old and how yeah. long or to this day or how long did that sort of last your studying I mean yeah so like studying kind of lasted up until 17 or 18 mm-hmm. I didn't I kind of stopped seriously studying it kind of at the end of high school uh, when I got into I when I went into college to study which was music as well but not performing violin because mm-hmm. I never I never at any point ever felt like the violin was something that I wanted to do professionally like I don't think there's ever a moment where I was like this is what I want my life to be um I it did give me like invaluable experiences with music that I still probably draw from today yeah um it was like the gateway instrument into all the other things but did you feel like you wanted to do music definitely but I think it was it wasn't up until around maybe like when I was 13 or 14 when I started getting into like um electronic music really that I really felt like this finally this like sort of meeting of the two worlds of like self-expression and identity with musical ability or Mm -hmm. something like I I feel like up until that point I don't know I mean there's this like strange mixture of like violin being like this thing that I always did almost like a sport Um, and then like seeing friends who were like making bands like punk bands and stuff and like being inspired by that and like being like almost like viewing them as like two separate things like oh this is like a fun sort of like expression of identity like playing in a band and then like violin is like more of like a thing that I did or something yeah but um I think it wasn't until when I started getting into like electronic music really and when I was like 14 13 that I started to be like oh maybe I can like like uh forge my own path or whatever create create my own voice yeah in a way okay well before we get up to that point when you were young and just playing the violin at home 
where you're obviously your parents were somewhat supportive of music mm-hmm. was did they do were they creative in their professions and jobs like what yeah my mom's an artist actually she's a painter uh-huh. herself um, so I've always had that pretty yeah pretty they've always been really supportive of like my creative endeavors mm-hmm. um, which I guess has been pretty lucky yeah like being able to talk to my or yeah being able to talk to my mom about just her creative process and like being able to witness that growing up I think definitely influenced me was that what she did like as a profession yeah yeah so did she show or like how what was and what brought her to that part of New Jersey um well my parents actually moved there from Brooklyn oh really yeah (laughs) it's like a lot of People seem it seems like that's still happening. Moving from a yeah, it does Brooklyn to Maplewood, New Jersey. <laughs> oh, from that specific yeah. place. Yeah, well, a lot of people I know move out to Jersey or you know move yeah. upstate and try yeah. to you know having a kid in the city is not an easy task. Yeah, I mean I can't imagine really. But <laughs> yeah, it's it's something. Um, so so they moved out there. Well, now was she? If you don't mind me asking, was she further in her career at that point, or was she? Is she still doing it? Like, did you grow up and there was a studio there and yeah. that was you were exposed to that? Yeah, she had her own studio on the third floor. And I remember definitely have a few memories of just sitting there, like watching her process, just like watching her paint, mm-hmm. kind of being hypnotized by it. Um, she had she showed a bit like I remember she had some shows in Soho mm-hmm. when I was growing up. And um, she, I don't know, was like selling a lot of paintings to like, corporate clients and stuff Um, but yeah she was always like yeah always just doing it Mm -hmm. as like just a a mode basically now what was she listening to when she painted (laughs) or was it silence like what was the music you were subjected to when you were too young to make your own choices (laughs) well she I think would have the TV playing I remember like just listening to the sounds of that Mm -hmm. um but yeah, my parents definitely had some good records in their collection. I remember, like, <laughs> my dad really early on playing this, like, uh, playing the Pink Floyd "Dark Side of the Moon" yeah album, the uh, the Lunatic uh-huh. song. It was like this game where he'd put it on, like, creep around on the floor. Me and my sister would be like, <laughs> "Oh my god, it's the Lunatic!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's an amazing record, though. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a record, like it's mm-hmm. front to back. Yeah. The bleed in, yeah, yeah. I remember that as being young and listening to that record. Yeah. Like vivid memories of going to a drive-in movie theater and listening to Dark Side. Yeah, it was pretty, and it and it holds up. You listen to it today, and it still sounds current and amazing. You know, it's true. That one, the, the Great Gig in the Sky. Yeah, that one's yeah. It's, it's really good. Yeah, it's my favorite. I mean, I had friends who went off into Pink Floyd land and got yeah. into the wall and all the other stuff, but for me, that was the record. That yeah. was the one that I loved. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah. but they had a record collection, so mm-hmm. you had vinyl around mm-hmm. in the turntable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my mom was super into Joni Mitchell, mm-hmm. like a lot of moms, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> mom rock? Mom rock. <laughs> what about your dad? What was his... Was he creative too? And he he definitely was and is a totally creative person. Um, he actually st- ended up studying film at UCLA, mm-hmm. 
which was around when he met my mom in California. Um, and uh, he ended up going to law school after that, like, doing some of that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just his approach, yeah. My dad's definitely a creative person. Both of my parents, I think the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, my parents are really cool people, actually. <laughs> yeah, because really cool. yeah, they're totally not cool when you're young. Yeah, right. <laughs> you just want to run as far away from that as possible. So when you went to high school, I'm gathering, I don't know, around roughly time, were you, what time were you in high school? Was um, it during the New Jersey punk revival? I mean, which one? There were so many, I yeah, guess. Yeah, right? I guess it's pretty constant. <laughs> there was definitely like a, a hardcore scene in my town, and most of my friends were in it, like uh, in some band or another. Um, but yeah, that was definitely like big inspirational uh, part of growing up. But that time was like going to shows at like the community center and. But is this yeah. this is pre laptop stuff? Oh, yeah, pre yeah. my making, yeah. Um, or no, yeah. no, pre going out and seeing people play with laptops. Oh yeah, no, this was like Way yeah, before, yeah, a few years before. This was still when a lot of the bands had guitars. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I I went to school in Pennsylvania, and this was in the early nineties, mm. and I I think I saw a lot of Jersey like punk and yeah. pop punk and hardcore bands coming through yeah. basements and yeah. and it was Rye Coalition from New Jersey okay yes yeah. do you know <laughs> or like Weston Weston was a big like pop Word. punk band from I think they were from Jersey too okay, okay. or Pennsylvania no they were from Pennsylvania okay. but yeah a lot of that that scene was that your scene bit or what you were going out to see or were you checking everything out yeah I mean that was most mostly what there was to see um so yeah, like I graduated high school in 2007, um, but yeah, there was um, like my friends, shout out Kid Presentable, they kind of like started this whole scene in my town and like just yeah, going to shows in different basements. Um, I had a friend just recently tell me who was, she was actually from upstate at the time, but she would come down and hang out with us and she just, she was, she said she was like uh, you guys were like I remember thinking you guys were all like what did she say like incredibly unfocused but also driven or something <laughs> driven yeah. but unfocused at the same time <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah th yeah that was um, that was definitely a big thing and that actually ended up directly leading into exposing me to electronic music yeah um, because every year, uh, my high school's Amnesty International Club would hold like a fundraiser called Jamnesty, mm -hmm. just basically just like a day long concert, benefit concert. And um, I think in like two thousand four or five, uh, my friend booked the band Acceptor to come play in my town, mm -hmm. um, and that was definitely like a watershed moment for me. That was like. Oh my god! I don't know that. What was it? What was the music like? Oh man, they're great. They were. Uh, they're kind of like in that wave of Brooklyn bands from that time, like early aughts, mid aughts. Like they're friends with like Black Dice and, yeah. and like that whole like Fusetron tabletop electronics sort of experimental. Yeah, like mixing 
some stuff together. Yeah, like ele- yeah, using electronics, but also noise, and yeah, it's kind of like it wasn't straight up like house or techno, but it was like yeah, they were like super eye opening for me. Definitely, I saw them, I saw Acceptor, and I saw Black Dice within the span of like a few months, and then after that, I was like, I'm gonna start making music like this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Inspired to, yeah, to do that. So, okay, so you got inspired by that, and at that point, were you thinking, okay, I'm gonna go to Oberlin because of music, or were you seeking that out, or did you have that idea yet? Not, not yet. I actually. So I have an older sister who ended up going there before me. And I, I think just, I got exposed uh, to the music program that they have there that mm-hmm. I ended up doing, uh, which is called Tamara, uh, Technology and Music and Related Arts. Um, that's like in the conservatory that they have there. Yeah. And I ended up kind of just getting exposed to, to that just from going there with my sister. Um, so probably not until like the, later half of high school to start to like think about doing that as like a, a thing in school um <clears throat> how far ahead was she like how many years just two years so okay yeah not, not that far. it just kind of exposed you to it it was like this is a possibility yeah basically and i i then i ended up looking at like other schools that had electronic music programs mm-hmm. um but yeah, Oberlin's was really special. And I just really liked it there, too. Yeah, so it was a good experience? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It was uh, being, also just being able to, like, so much of, like, the thing, the classes that are taught about music technology are, like, super vocational or, like, have this really, like, functional sort of approach, but, like, they really approached it from like a sort of artistic compositional perspective yeah um so i i kind of really appreciate that the doors were like wide open for whatever you wanted to do with it i think actually one of the first things i heard about that program was the artist Corey archangel yeah like he was a graduate of that program so i think and i was like getting into his stuff towards the end of high school and i think that's what i was like oh man went to Oberlin my sister goes there too like (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, he was in uh I remember curating a show that I had I think it was 2003 and uh it was like kind of a an event like I had to show up in Chelsea and then I um curated an animation video sort of event that was just a night of you know, it was him, like, he had videos in it, and Paper Rat, and awesome. Lovid, and nice, nice, all nice. these, yeah. you know, people were doing some pretty funky stuff, you know That's what I awesome. mean? And it's cool to see their trajectory, and where everyone yeah. kind of went from there and did these different things, but, totally. um, so you were interested in, kind of, like, the conceptual side of music, not totally. just, you know, like, digging deep into yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, I had always, like, played in, like, some bands, like, I yeah I was like playing in bands in high school and stuff but it wasn't like I want to go to this program to pursue becoming like a touring musician necessarily right. I kind of had the idea that I was going to go more into like the art side of things but um, or who knows I don't know that was like one of the initial draws at least um, but then pretty soon after I got to Oberlin uh I met Nick and we started jamming and then 
the teen girl thing kind of started rolling just pretty soon after that, like right away. And yeah. I kind of just, yeah, kind of went with that. That's cool. So here's a question about music school mm-hmm. that I've always wondered. Yeah. Um, with art school, when you go and you're, you know, a young painter or a young sculptor, you have professors and they kind of expose all these artists to you and these mm-hmm. ideas, right? So, you know, if you're a loose, you know, abstract painter, like they might just give you, expose you to all these current people in the contemporary world who are making work yeah. that resonates with what you're doing and other people too, but it's really about kind of like, hey, you should know about all, this is your language. Yeah. You should know about all these artists. Yeah. So when you go into said music class, I don't know, yeah. whatever it is, you know, and let's say it's contemporary composing on the computer and with electronic media or something, yeah. Yeah. Know, digital media. Um, I don't even know if that kind of class exists, but do you, is your professor saying to you, hey, you know, you should look at Autecker. Like, right. you should check out, right. you, know, <laughs> you know, like Square Pusher is someone right. you should have on your radar. Is that kind of, or is it more... Um, academic and maybe historical in nature and definitely historical and there's definitely like it's definitely canonized for sure yeah um and the but they are also constantly showing you artists that are relevant to that academic world yeah and i don't know if i'm sure the art world's probably the same but like music is it feels like it's so all about clickiness in a lot of ways and like the sort of tribalism or something yeah it's like same thing yeah like i feel like the academic electroacoustic scene is you know it is a it is a scene yeah for whatever for better or for worse um just like all was part of a scene yeah um so I, yeah, I mean, I I never fully... There is, like, a strain of, like, contemporary new music that is more embedded in, like, academia that um, I didn't feel like the music that I was making was necessarily a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, maybe the star pupils of the department were probably more, like, torn, turned towards that scene of music Mm -hmm. but at the same time like just yeah I mean even just the history of learning like they're super into like Fluxus and like Cage and everything and um, Tony Conrad yeah totally like yeah that whole like radical (laughs) thing but which is like ironically ends up becoming like institutionalized and like yeah so it's I definitely had like have thought about that whole phenomenon a lot. Just have the sort of also, I don't know. It's just the way things go from like being outside to inside mm-hmm. of an institution and things yeah. like that. Well, it's it's like yeah. you need the time and distance mm-hmm. to place it because at the moment it seems everything that seems kind of you know in a way it's kind of punk because it's going against yeah. you know t- I'm sure Tony Conrad that's kind of a punk ethos you know right. to be making music like that right, like, I right. went to see him and he's playing one note for half an hour totally and I, it's not like when they first started they're initially like taken up by academia I'm sure they were like it probably took a time for them to become like the stuff that's taught now right. it's reflected um, upon well and you have to see it within the canon of like what's happening yeah. so 
you know, there could be a million people trying to push the envelope, but then who pushed the envelope in a way that there were next steps taken from yeah. that, you yeah. know, and it became like that person became a seminal uh, totally. voice to a bunch of other musicians who take it in a new direction, you know. So you kind of you have to get out of the forest, yeah, yeah, you know, get to be able to see, yeah, see yeah. what's going on. But um, but yeah, I I wonder like what were you listening to at that point that you were really influenced by that you felt was pushing, you know, in yeah. a way that that was inspiring to you besides like the black or the people that you were seeing a yeah, lot, but yeah. just stuff that you were hearing. I mean, so much stuff. Like definitely initially like that whole experiment experimental scene like Black Dice. But then, like, stuff that I was listening to in school as mm-hmm. well, like, uh, just more, like, classical stuff, like Morton Feldman. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then I was just getting really into, like, techno. Um, I think... I remember right at the start of college, I was getting into that Luomo album, Vocal City. Uh-huh. And um, a lot of, like, Ricardo Villalobos and basic channel I think were like some of the first things I started getting into in that world um but yeah like a lot more like techno I guess yeah <laughs> like I think See, I, I don't know yeah. what techno is because, right. <laughs> I, because yeah. I grew up in a time yeah. when techno was just like you know it meant something totally different totally, yeah and the, the sort of terminology and packaging of these things is like a little confusing even within well. the last five years it's changed a yeah. lot what that the, what that signifies i think for sure yeah techno in my mind or in my experience was a derogatory term. yeah <laughs> like it yeah. was you know dudes with gigantic pants glow sticks and raves yeah like that's what i grew up with with like techno so totally. i imagine that's been refined a little since then or maybe that term is, yeah. <laughs> has moved over into a new field. Um, yeah, definitely right, or at least where we are right now in Brooklyn, I feel mm-hmm. like I've seen the, the term techno has kind of bloomed into this whole other being now. Yeah. Um, like, at, right after this interview, I'm actually going upstate to the uh, festival Sustain Release, uh-huh. so, um, which I'm really psyched on. What's but, uh, that going to be like? Uh, outdoor is it outdoor yeah it's like a summer camp basically uh-huh. how many people are playing uh, it's like two nights maybe about 12 people it's like yeah pretty well curated lineup it's not a super big festival <laughs> is it technically a rave <laughs> it is I think so yeah I was just talking to Hane Co yeah. about raves and like if they still exist or not because raves yeah. in my yeah. in my up and coming you know in that time were like the glow sticks totally. indoor and it was like jungle and drum totally. and bass totally. and I think even like that as actual aesthetic that you're talking about mm-hmm. is coming back in some ways in some parts nice sure. like I've been hearing a lot of break beats <laughs> this past year yeah it's nice like uh, like Lord Raja you know I, I yeah. noticed in his yeah, new yeah. record some drum and bass things going on and, yeah. and for me that's really exciting because I've always loved drum and bass yeah like the real deep cut, like jazzy, totally, you yeah. know. And then I got into Square Pusher. It, that kind of was at the same time, you know. I, yeah. I remember getting my friend's car, I think it was in high school, and uh, hearing the first Square Pusher. Or maybe it was, was it Red Snapper or something? Mm-hmm. He had like an alter ego. Oh, but yeah. hearing that, and nothing was ever like that. Like nothing was at that speed totally, and complexity totally. before. And it like blew my mind, you yeah. know. So I think from that point on, I was just always into drum and bass and that kind of stuff. 
It's coming back, man. No. Yeah, it's upstate. It's upstate. <laughs> happening. So, um, yeah, so when you, so you got the, the, the teen girl stuff going, and you guys, did you graduate at the same time? Yeah, yeah, uh, so you, 2011. I was initially in, like, this five-year double degree program, mm-hmm. um, which was, like, a degree in the conservatory and the college, but um, I think two and a half years in, I was like, I don't want to be here for another year, yeah. for an extra year, so I just did the conservatory. So you got out, and did you, did you think, I'm going to move this straight to New York, or what was it? Yeah. I mean, because you're here, you basically, when you're from that part of Jersey, you're from New York. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. And just so many of my friends at school were from this area or moving there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy decision. Um, we were, like, lucky enough to, like, we started touring around the world really like in 2009 so that Mm -hmm. was halfway through Oberlin like the second half was definitely of Oberlin was definitely a lot more like you're doing your thing yeah like yeah taking off to like go travel and there there was a part of me that was like man I could probably drop out but I stuck it through yeah so well that's good yeah I think it was good probably to get that (laughs) yeah were they supportive of you going off and like playing music during school? My, yeah, my folks. Yeah. Oh no, no, I or meant uh, the school. Yeah. Yeah, I like, mean, I can't imagine being in my second year MFA or something and just going around the world to openings of like art shows. They'd probably be a little pissed off. About yeah, that. it was definitely like a little bit of a. Well, again, I, experiencing that sort of dynamic between the institution and whatever else. Um, I always, I always almost felt maybe in retrospect this I was being too sensitive about it, but mm-hmm. I always like almost felt like the music I was making with teen girls, like at least in the eyes of my professors or something, was like almost taboo or something because it was like melodic and like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna say more like, um, like something that someone could dance to. Or exactly, it's something that was like digestible, or digestible like, yeah. and accessible in some way that wasn't completely like conceptual or whatever. Um, but I think even like that was probably maybe some of my own things that I was projecting onto it. Like they were actually pretty supportive of a lot of it. I remember mm-hmm. we actually because one of the requirements of the music major is you had to get like an ensemble credit. Mm-hmm. So I actually got ensemble credit for like playing with Teen Girl, which oh, was pretty cool. sweet. Small ensemble, but yeah. ensemble nonetheless. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, they're, I'm sure they, if they're teaching in music, they know the value of, um, I don't know, universality in music, mm-hmm. you know, and just how that. Did, were you studying a lot of world stuff? Like, did you kind of broaden, or did you already have that um, ahead of time? Not, I mean, nothing like super in depth I was like I remember getting into like some Nigerian music at the end of Highlight high school stuff? yeah, like yeah. That stuff. Um, isn't that great when you find out about that you're like oh wait yeah. this happened yeah, yeah and it sounds like this it's totally. that amazing yeah and then um, yeah I mean there actually did have to take like an ethnomusicology class which was really good um, oh yeah but so I I don't it did get a little bit hectic. Like, I remember there was this one uh, 
music theory class where I kind of like I could have like I kind of missed one of the assignments at the end because I was out of town and just like spaced out on it um but other times like my I remember like my finals week uh, my last year I um literally the week of finals uh we got asked by animal collective to tour in europe with them mm-hmm. and i was just like definitely gonna do this <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm going <laughs> not, i guess <laughs> and then i like talked to my dean about it and yeah she was like super supportive which was yeah was yeah good. well it's a pretty good opportunity i mean i guess i would think academically too even if you're not that hip to who you're playing with or what that deal is it's just being able to share your music with people around the world is like so important, you know? Yeah, I, I feel like with, with, when I was in college, I was a, G, a DJ too, like I started jazz DJing and um, that's when I kind of learned about that there's, there's other music in the world, you know what I mean? Totally. <laughs> kind of like understanding where things come from. Totally. I remember getting into salsa and then learning about like Afro-Cuban music and how it came from Africa. Did you ever have that kind of like movement geographically? Like when you were into high life, did you start to hear other African music or get into Afrobeat or like Mozambique and like stuff like that? Yeah, I remember. Well, actually, that there's that blog, Awesome Tapes from Africa, mm-hmm. which I was super into uh, during the start of college. Um, uh, the advantage of the internet. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have. Shit. <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there's so much that you can. Yeah, and then they got super into the Ethiopix yeah. compilation mm-hmm. series. Um, What's his name? The um, what? Uh, he did the the soundtrack for the Jarmusch film Broken Flowers. He's the Ethiopian jazz guy. Do you know his? It's really good. Yeah, I should write that down. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. The, there's a lot of great music and it's so diverse in that country you know yeah I remember even like Kanono number nine mm-hmm. yep. that kind of like crossed over to like some of the electronic spheres yeah. that I was into too yeah that stuff is good and uh, were you ever interested in like traditional Japanese music did you get exposed to any shamisen or anything when you were not via <laughs> my family really um yeah, I mean, I kind of got, well, that's, yeah, I think I kind of got into, elect- like, Japanese music more recently, actually, but, like, via Japanese music that was really strongly strongly influenced by Western music, yeah. so it was almost like this, like, I don't, I was reading some interview with Sakamoto, um, where he talks about how a lot of the Japanese music and culture from like the last century is actually just they literally like got rid of it because there was like this whole like almost like rejection of their culture and like trying to embrace Western mm-hmm. culture. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super into that. Like seeing how like a, a people will like interpret a certain thing and like do it their own way yeah. and like still have their own expressions come out see like seeping through that or something yeah so really cool. and yeah. especially with seemingly no regard to the the kind of um whether it's hip or not or just the, it's yeah. amazing yeah. the mashups of styles that you'll get 
and the time periods. Like, it's not this linear progression. Like, you'll just have, like, completely different genres of music combined and mashed in. And it's, it's really interesting how it's like, it's almost like, um, like audio collage, but over time, yeah. you know. Yeah. And anything goes. It's like you can have a super pop punk band be number one, and then it's like a goth metal 20 girls singing. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, my <laughs> uncle just showed me a YouTube of that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I yet to go to Japan, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm dying to go there. If anybody's listening to this from Japan, I'd love to To come. book you over there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's got to happen. Um, that's like definitely putting that out there in the universe. But um, yeah, I'd love to go. I've, yeah, I've played in China and Korea, mm-hmm. not Japan. You gotta go. It's literally my favorite place in the world. Yeah, it's what so many people it's, say. And what's great about music there, as opposed to here, well, not completely, but I mean, people go, there's a real general interest in music. Yeah, that's like, what I've heard the people audiences. People go are like, see yeah. shows and they go see it. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like, oh, he's playing like next week, and it's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'm kind of yeah, busy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like everyone's like, eh, whatever. You know, and I feel like whenever, when I was like in a band, very early on there was a real kind of you know you would go to these basement shows and it was a real energy probably because there wasn't just that much else to do Mm. there was no netflix right yeah (laughs) now like you know it's like well i gotta i gotta binge watch stranger things so i'm I'm gonna skip some shows this month (laughs) totally or even if you do go you just end up talking and drinking the whole time and like not paying attention and on the phone yeah. Yeah. that drives yeah. me crazy totally. like seeing everyone just recording the show is, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah that gets you know a little much I'd like to talk too about you talked a little bit about the teen girl stuff but then how did I imagine all the while you're working on your own stuff too right and yeah. is that did that just become what you've released and what you've been doing as a solo musician uh, I'd say like a lot of basically half of the tracks on the No Geo album I'd say I either started or completed and like basically right after recording the Tracer album with Teen Girl so um, definitely like this span of like three or four years Mm -hmm. Um, and I was doing it's almost like while I was in school I I was making my own solo work Mm -hmm. just for like because I assignments and just like other projects like I did some sound installation work um, and also just writing my own stuff but I think yeah I mean that kind of like was my outlet for that and then maybe like getting out of school was like an adjustment of being like oh wait I don't have that direct outlet and I want to like still like focus on some of this stuff Um, and yeah, so I think basically since then, since, like, it definitely took a couple of years to, like, get that stuff out, but that was definitely, like, something that I had wanted to do that whole time, for yeah. sure. And, um, you know, I just, I was re-watching the video for, is it Wrecker? Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. How did that come about? It's And what's your, and I love the cover art for your Neo Geo record what's your kind of visual connection like what are your interests visually and how do you think about that in connection to the stuff that you're writing you know with the sort of like experience with audio in relation to the visual experience Um, 
yeah, the the cover art was made by an artist called Shauna X. Mm-hmm. She's incredibly talented and super into her stuff. Um, she the art that she made was definitely like riffing on a bunch of cues or ideas that I had shown her that I was into. Mm-hmm. Um, I like how her stuff has this like it's this it's nice strange mixture of like lo-fi and like hi-fi or something it's like simple shapes and almost like cheap looking shapes but the colors she uses as well are like I don't know it's like very high def at the same time yeah um and I think that kind of like has a lot of like nice parallels with the music on that record for me um, yeah they seem to to work together there's kind of the also for me uh, this look of sort of like a technological landscape but mm-hmm. then it's organic because of its relationship to kind of like vintage technology in yeah, a way yeah totally like, to me like early arcade games totally, or something like totally. that feel but it feels otherworldly and yeah. I feel like the music is doing that too it's kind of taking you to this other place there's obviously the the digital side of things but then it's kind of like I don't know it's own world or something the video is pretty yeah crazy. the video I'm, I'm <laughs> really proud of how that came out um, that was directed by my friend Theo Anthony who mm. I know from Oberlin actually um, he's a great filmmaker in his own right he just finished his like first feature length film about rats <laughs> that looks <laughs> <Nice>. really cool <laughs> um, yeah that was a uh, that was totally like shoestring budget um super thankful for all my friends that helped and worked on that um a big i think a big starting point for him with that was uh the film possession mm-hmm. i've ever I've seen, never seen like it this polish uh horror film i think it's from the 80s but it's really good um there's this one scene where this uh one of the main characters is this lady she's like kind of I guess getting possessed and she's like walking out of the subway and just like freaking out um, I can send you the link to the scene it's like, like this kind of like iconic scene um, and so we kind of chose that as like a starting point and yeah it all ended up coming together great um, I think it like it deals with some of the things like the ideas of like strange organic technology but like it also is like definitely like his it has his own artistic voice to it too which I'm really into yeah Yeah. when you play live do you incorporate visuals at all or is it just I have been actually so we actually shot so much more footage that ended up even being in the video so Mm -hmm. some of the shows I've like uh, kind of lined up some of the the shots we did and like um, just played them basically I am trying to figure out a more exciting way to do that maybe with like a jitter patch or something mm-hmm. which I've done before with Teen Girl just with like triggering stuff with MIDI but um, yeah was that something in school that there was ever brought up? Yes and no I think like they definitely taught like I learned all of my all of my first experience with jitter was in school we also studied this program called Isidoro which is kind of like 
people's version of Jitter. And so that, I remember having homework assignments like making loops, video loops or whatever. And then, uh, I think even more, especially in like the, that scene, it's like such a thing to collaborate with like dancers and choreographers. Like, so I think that was something that you really encouraged. Like you can use this technology to make like a interactive media piece with like a dancer or something. Like, both of my professors were married to dancers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's it was encouraged. It was like a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to think past the what the programs can do through visuals as a preset. And I think similarly, artists have the same thing. It's like if they do video work or animation or anything that's involving like digital media, to think past that first step of how sound can function. You know. And I, I love, like, if I ever do projections, I love having I either at the opening or at some point some sort of performance to, like, activate the space, you know? And um, I have to say, I think I've seen in the last five years a lot more interesting incorporations, like, of uh, visuals into, like, like um, do you know No Such Thing? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Jason's got a really great kind of visual yeah. thing to with the music it's it's really integrated and I know yeah. it takes them a lot of time like they work really hard and on he that. works on on the visual side as well yeah like he, like he collaborates okay. yeah no he collaborates I think but it's a very um, purposeful kind of integrated visual experience yeah you're right it's so important now and it's something that I'm thinking about it's definitely on my mind I um, it's kind of the reason why on this last tour, or just in general, I try to not play with a laptop. Yeah. Like I have a bunch of like sequencers and knobs, but even that isn't super interesting <laughs> to look yeah. at. Um, so yeah, I definitely would like, even just, I remember like, yeah, lights even, just like having lights on stage that blink with like the music or something is like so, can make such a difference. Yeah. Like, I remember touring with Crystal Castles, um, like maybe 2010 or something, and like every night it was just so amazing to watch. I mean, granted, they're like a really good live band, but they also just had these powerful, bright lights, and it was just like crazy. It was like mind control almost. You could see yeah. just people being like, oh, like transfixed. Yeah, it was yeah. Like, damn. So smart. <laughs> yeah, it's like an oversaturation, you know, that just mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, I think, yeah, having that element with the music yeah. can really make that live experience. That was something that I always felt like, with as in a band, you don't have to go crazy because you're performing the music live. There's the act of performance of doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then it's always great. It is a performance in a way. Like you know, it's right. you're performing. So to have that aspect of the work is, I think valuable part of the experience so what do you have coming up to so you've got the festival mm. that might probably happen before this is even out right but oh yeah uh, but what uh, what else do you have coming up uh, so just i'm mostly here in new york this fall um me and nick are finishing up our third lp oh nice right now, how long have you been working on been that working on that for like three years so <laughs> it's been a long time um we're kind of at the stage of carving down this body of work into an album rather than like adding more things to it. But we also have a release date finally set in mind, so 
it's 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 almost there, which is it's gonna feel really good to be done with. Cool. And then the upcoming Japan tour. We're working yeah, on it now. Yeah, so that's going to happen next spring. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully, I mean, the, so the Teen Girl album is going to be, is planned, we're planning on having it out by like the end of February. And what label would that be coming out? Um, we're going to do it with Planet Mew, um, which I'm really stoked on. And so, yeah, hopefully, I mean, that's the plan at least is to like, be doing some touring next spring and summer yeah. um, and I I would like to have another handful of like solo workout or ready to be out mm -hmm. by then as well I feel like it's because of so many of the tracks on the on the album that came out this spring like feel or because they were like done couple years ago they feel like already kind of old to me <laughs> yeah um so yeah i actually have a single coming out this month on a compilation with ghostly nice um so yeah just studio studio <laughs> yeah. yeah and people can check out your solo stuff on ghostly yeah. too great all right well thanks for taking so much time it's great to like get your backstory yeah. dig deeper than Oberlin and get to hear all this stuff. Yeah, so, thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, thanks a lot. Mm -hmm.